everybody. Welcome back, or for the first time, to Permanent Waves, a Rush podcast. I'm Jared Grieco, and I'll be hanging out with you for the next few minutes talking about some Rush. Um, so if you listened to the last episode, we talked a little bit about future set lists, specifically the two, uh, the 2015 tour that'll be happening in the spring. And uh, I read down my prediction of my set list, and uh, I think that uh, I forgot a few things. Well, number one, what's uh, what's a what's this concert going to look like? The last few tours have had kind of a theme to them. Um, Neil's kit has been kind of a a retro deal, and more and more as we went through Time Machine through Clockwork Angels tour, we saw Getty and Alex playing along uh, more and more into that theme. And are there going to be themes in the next tour? Uh, I'm personally, I'm kind of over the theme thing. You know, it was really cool to see all of that come together, um, from all three of them to really, uh, dig into that clockwork steampunk thing. Um, but I kind of miss, you know, I miss the snakes in our house tour where we last saw it. Alex with a huge stack of amps behind him and Getty with whatever nonsense he's going to use behind him. Uh, I kind of miss that, and uh, I think they will go back. I think you know. I think we'll see amplifiers again. Uh, we'll see Neil with just a regular old drum kit. You know, what colors is drum kit going to be? You can, you can boil it down to really simple things. And even when, even when they have their normal amps and everything, you know, Alex had dinosaurs all over his amps at one point. He had Barbie dolls in front of him. It's never, it's never not comical with these guys, right? We all know that. So today, I promised in the last episode that I would tell you about this sort of, I said conspiracy theory, it's not really a conspiracy theory, it's just these, when I first got Clockwork Angels, the album, I sat on my back deck and put on a really nice pair of headphones and just listened to the album all the way through, and I noticed really weird similarities um, from the new mater- in the new material to a lot of their older material. We all know about the Bastille Day one uh, because they've even come out and talked about it. I've got it here anyway. You'll hear it. But I wanted to point out, just because now I have an outlet for this, I want to show everybody what I'm hearing, and maybe you guys can write in and uh, tell me that I'm insane or say, hey, you know, I hear what you're saying, and uh, I hear it, but it's not really there. Or maybe you say, oh, yeah, I never even realized that. So I'm going to start with my favorite one that I think no one's talking about. Um, out of all the quotes in this, some people bring up, some get brought up more than others, some don't get brought up at all. I haven't heard anyone talk about this one. And it, Aside from the Bastille Day quote in Headlong Flight, this has got to be the most obvious. So tell me what you think. Here you go. So did you hear it? Those t- the intros of those two songs are almost identical, and we know that when the records was written, Getty was holding a guitar and Alex was holding a bass guitar. They reversed roles, and uh, I think it started with Getty playing that guitar riff, and then Alex joined in. But 
we I think people fail to realize that they've written that already. You know, it's it's different, but it's the they're the same chords, virtually the same tempo. And uh, if they they're slightly different tempos, but I I if they were identical, I'd be able to like splice them together really easily and play them right over the top of each other. I think it would sound really nice. So what do you think? Is that am I crazy? Uh, I don't you know I these are things that happen but and and some people go okay well you know uh when i got clockwork and i told my dad about these my dad was like well listen they've written 20 albums close to 300 songs some of it's going to sound the same and and i understand that and i'm not criticizing the band or or saying like i've unlocked all the secrets i'm just kind of pointing these things out because i like to geek out about that kind of stuff uh the next one is a little bit of a stretch but I want to point it out to you anyway and see if you can, um, if you hear it with me. And I'm really looking for feedback, uh, mostly, guys. I want to, hear, you know, come tell me if I'm insane and uh, tell me if you hear what I'm talking about. Here you go. Okay, now, wish them well from the new album. Listen to the guitar part specifically. We're going to play that again, and it's going to go into a new, t- uh, an older tune, and listen to that guitar part as well and compare. So, what I think is cool about the, these first two examples is they're not only quoting older stuff or at least bringing back similarities. You could argue that last example is just Alex, like, oh, cool, Jared, Alex is playing an arpeggio again. And that's what Alex Lifeson does. He's known for playing really nice, really cool, weird arpeggios. And that's all he's doing in that example. But when I first heard Wish Them Well, I thought, that's Carve Away the Stone. And what's really cool is they're not only quoting old stuff, they're quoting weird stuff they're not they're not saying hey let's throw a spirit of radio quote in here or even the body electric something kind of middle of the road carve away the stone is a is a weird tune in terms of popularity and how well people know that um as a song uh in fact it's one of the ones i listen to the least amount just because that's a weird section of test for echo test for echo is a weird album to begin with i love them all I love them all. I love everything on Test for Echo, and I love all the albums. But we, you know, we all know there are certain parts of their catalog that, for whatever reason, each of us individually we listen to them less. Carve away the stones there, but I listened to it enough to recognize that it sounded like "Wish Them Well." And you bet there, you bet your life from the last example. Uh, you know, I said originally that first example was something that people aren't talking about, and you bet your life is a song that people aren't talking about. I know it's one of the weaker on the album, on Roll the Bones, but I've never run into a Rush fan. You know, I have fans that uh, friends online that I talk to, and we just geek out. 
like we're doing right now. Hey, we're all having a good time. And I, you know, we talk about different tunes, you know, here's a weird one that I like that, you know, many, a lot of people don't dig or whatever. And you bet your life is one that never comes up. That and face up people. I've sometimes I feel like I'm the only person on the planet that appreciates those two songs. And it's a weird album. It's a, it's a different sound. That's what I mean by weird. Don't ever think that I uh, think negatively uh, towards any of these songs. But you bet your life has a different vibe to it. It's got that uh, like drone like uh, um, vocal part to it. You know what I'm talking about? All those rhyming words. So here's my next example. This one has this is the obvious one, but there's another. Uh, well, you'll see. So Bastille Day and uh, Headlong Flight, and even before Clockwork Angels came out as a whole album, uh, they released like a a teaser trailer kind of thing. It had the clock from the album art spinning, and it just played that beginning of Headlong Flight. And I remember watching it, and I was still in school, and I'm looking at it, and I'm going, all right, this is you know cool visually, but where'd they get this music? Like I I was sure it wasn't Rush. I, I was it was way too different. And now, now in my head, it's not different at all. It still sounds like Rush. But when I'm hearing it, I'm thinking it's too beefy, it's too metally. I loved it. You know, it was, wasn't in a bad way. I'm like, oh, this isn't Rush. And then when I heard that Bastille Day uh, reference quote, I thought, oh, it clearly is. Or maybe it's a band trying to copy what they're doing. I don't know. Um, that was a little bit of a shock to me. But what when I cut this up to show you guys, it was really neat for me. Because I knew that quote was there, I knew the rhythms were the same, the tempo was similar, I didn't realize they were identical. Even before the bass and drum hits that come in, it's the exact same guitar part. This is all the same. And now here, this is interesting. Take uh, an excerpt from The Anarchist, The Anarchist, and compare it to those two clips we just heard. Pretty similar, right? A little bit slower. Uh, I don't know if I'm the first one to point that out or not. Probably not. Some of you are probably screaming at me like, where you been, bud? So I got one more example. Um, this one's another a little bit of a stretch, uh, but I do hear it. Um, another, It's a Clockwork Angels tune tied in with another one from the past. A tune that a lot of people don't dig. Seems to me, while it's true that every 
There is barely time to go outside and play. I know this is the big this is the uh the big issue the the fly in the ointment for is that the is that even the uh expression anyway that's the that's the issue people have with the rush material with the whole catalog people don't like dog ears and when I first started I thought that's a okay it's weird it's uh in this time I do mean weird <laughs> it's it's uh you know it, it's different than everything else but People really hate it. Why Why do we have to hate on it so bad? That's Whatever. Uh, see, some people say lyrically it's not where it needs to be. So listen to Seven Cities of Gold again and listen to the guitar part. They're in, if you're into the music theory, it, they're in different keys, so it's going to be tough to hear, different tonal centers, but the guitar part is very similar in both of them. I won't make you listen to any more dog gears. I'm sorry, guys. And, you know, that's... What is it about... There's certain songs here that people are just like, love to, to crap all over. Uh, dog gears, I think, would probably be number one, right? Uh, Ty Sean, if I'm saying that correctly, from Hold Your Fire. Uh, and I often talk to my friends about this. What is it about Ty Sean that we hate? What, what do we hate about it? Is it the flute at the beginning or, or whatever? Is it that synthy flute? Is it um, is it the lyrics? Is it the fact that it's slow? Because for me, it's kind of the flute at the beginning, and we never really hear the flute again. But what what do we hate about it? If I if for me, if you take away the flute and you keep the rest of the tune, it's not bad. <laughs> I mean. What did it for me, and I would skip it often, what did it for me was the guitar part. Just with, like with a lot of Rush tunes where I would skip when I first started hearing them, then I'd go, wow, listen to the guitar. And it makes the whole tune for me. <clears throat> I guess we're not going to have it to play. There we go. So if we omit this, so I'm, I promise I won't make you hear all the time, Sean. But I want to make this point about, in general, about the Rush songs that we think we don't like, um, and about this specifically often it's my dad would always say my dad got me into rush a few years you know eight years ago or something uh and he would he would always say if you're getting bored with the song like you've heard the song too much just listen to neil peart just listen to the drums and it'll it's always entertaining it's amazing to just sit just focus on the drums and try to picture him doing all those things and this was before we had seen them live and it's like you know, that's all you need. And for me, it's often Alex, and in this case, Getty, too, 
what they're doing alone is so incredible that it, I am able to listen to this tune. I'll have, I have like a Rush Sleep playlist that I listen to when I'm going to bed. Uh, Tyshawn, High Waters on there, Time Stand Still, uh, The Speed of Love, Between Sun and Moons on there, those kinds of things just to go to sleep to. And, you know, people give this song a bad rap, people give this album a bad rap. Listen to what Getty's doing. Getty's going insane on a tune that's a joke for them. This is a great tune for Getty. And guess what? Hold Your Fire, in my opinion, is some of Getty's best bass playing. Uh, he does not hold back, and he's not interrupting the song. He's serving each song. Uh, look at Turn the Page. There's that. He's going nuts in that one. He's got a section of Mission that he's... I mean, all of Mission is really good, bass-wise. Um, Force 10's also a gem. So, the guitar part in this tune as well. So now focus on the guitar for the rest of this verse. Just the guitar. It's a real clean, tight, tinny sound. Okay, so that's a good guitarist, in my opinion. That's a guitarist who stays out of the way, gives the song what it needs that what it needs to be a better song, and just leaves it. And if you notice before, um, before we got to this point in the tune, there's no guitar. And another great aspect of his playing is he knows when to shut up, shut the heck up. You know, like stop playing. A lot of guitarists do that; they never stop. And he's able to go. We know from interviews that Alex didn't dig this era because of all the synths. He didn't like sitting out because, after all, he's a guitarist, right? Stereotypes, yeah. But he's able to stop playing and let the synths do what they need to do. And for a few years, yeah, the synths did what he would normally do. But he's allowing the song to do to blossom into what it's capable of. It's potential. It's full potential, right? And all he really did was change roles because he's doing these bouncy, tight tinny guitar sound that we hear a lot on Presto, by the way, the next album. And that's normally what the synths would do, these light kind of uh, accessories to the sound. The guitar isn't the main focus anymore, at least on this album. He's doing, that's why I like to, that's how I like to describe it, accessories. He's kind of decorating the the color, the sound, and, and that's what makes this whole album, and that's what makes this song. So sometime when you're getting tired and you're about to go to bed, turn the song on and think about that kind of thing. The end is my absolute favorite. I wish they wouldn't fade it out because Alex is doing his... The guitar is really present there. And I was wrong. That flute happens throughout the rest of the tune, but I was able to get over it. I don't know about you guys. And, you know, Dog Ears... If you if I don't listen to the music or the uh, the lyrics, I'm sorry. I pretend like I don't understand English and I can't. I don't know what he's saying. It's a pretty rocking tune, as with a lot of Tess for Echo, right? 
Tesferaco is pretty heavy compared to what we had in the past. Or at least for a while. Right? So, how can we... You know, people people like to uh, knock that tune as well, and I don't understand that. But uh, So, back to what I was saying about the tunes that we often don't listen to a lot. Uh, Dog Ears is one for me. Taishan was one to some extent. Uh, I could never, I could never get over Madrigal from A Feral of the Kings. People often say, you know, what's your, you know, I'm stuck between A Farewell to Kings and Hemispheres. If I had to pick my best Rush album, my favorite Rush album, I couldn't between, I couldn't decide between those two. And I always, they say, what do you say? I say, first of all, I, it was not even a question for me. I think Hemispheres is a better album, just in my opinion. And even if I couldn't decide, man, how can, you know, how can Madrigal beat out any of the four gems on Hemispheres? I don't get that. Maybe some, you know, write in and tell me what I'm missing in Madrigal. You know, write in and say, hey, Jared, you asshole. <laughs> you're just like what you said with Tyshawn, you're missing something. I don't get it. But recently, those slower tunes were tough for me, but like, uh, Tears from 2112 is amazing for me now. Uh, I dig that stuff. The Speed of Love from Counterparts, I hated. I hated for so long. And I could, I never listened to it. I'm like, that is the one song on that album I can't stand. Or not that I can't stand it, I just don't listen to. And then one day I, I was like, you know, sometimes we're just in different moods or whatever. You're not up for the, uh, like the hard rock stuff. And you get the Speed of Love and you're like, oh. I understand now. Sometimes it just takes a different mood. And now I have a hard time kicking it out of the top three on that album. I love that song. With what Alex does with those weird synth things, I don't even know what kind of synth sound he's using on that track, but it's all over that album, and I love it so much. It's such a, a nice sound that they were able to accomplish. So I think that's all I got today. Um... I would love to hear from everybody, like I'm saying, and, you know, write in and uh, we'll get talking. We'll, uh, if you got anything you want to discuss on the podcast, all it takes is one email and you can, uh, you can find my email on our page and on iTunes and things like that. Jared J. Greco at Gmail. And send me a note. Uh, and we'll be back soon, all right, guys? See you soon. Brought to you no, by. No, I say it. Brought to you by Knickerbocker.